WIOX is supported by the generosity of our listeners and the following underwriters. Rick's Tire Service, family owned and operated on State Route 30 between Roxbury and Grand Gorge. Tires, mounting, and wheel balancing for cars, trucks, lawn, garden, farm, and construction vehicles. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday, 8 till noon. More information at 800 LG Tires. 800 LG Tires. Diamond Hollow Books on Main Street in Andes for secondhand vintage and new books. Specializing in literature, the arts, Dante, mycology, and Emily Dickinson. Children's books and stationery. And Diamond Hollow also purchases used books. Open Thursday through Sunday, 10 to 5, by appointment or anytime the front door is open. Upstairs at 72 Main Street, Andes. Readings, book signings, and event schedule at diamondhollowbooks.com. The Delaware County Department of Public Works holding Delaware County's annual Clean Sweep Chemical Disposal Day for businesses and farms Friday, October 7th, for residential households Saturday, October 8th. Registration required from September 17th through October 1st at 607-865-6474, 607-865-6474, or click the Clean Sweep link at WIOXradio.org. Hi, this is Beth Scher, co-host of Playtime Alternate Tuesdays on WIOX Roxbury. I'm also an actor in Sylvia at the Open Eye Theater, a hilarious eye-opening play about the effect a stray dog, Sylvia, has on an empty nest marriage and the meaning of love. Sylvia has plenty to say. And not all of it is intended for children. (laughs) Performances of Sylvia run from Thursday, September 15th through Sunday, September 25th at the Open Eye Theater on Main Street in Margaretville. More information at theopeneyetheater.org or 845-586-1660. 845-586-1660. I hope to see you there.
Okay, you're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable TV, Channel 20, on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM, worldwide at WIOXradio.org, and on any mobile device radio FM app. This is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Zane, how's it going? Good, good. What are you doing? Uh, I don't know. I've been messing around my apple trees a little bit, but uh, other than that, I've been waiting for hunting trees. season. Yeah, have yeah. you? Yeah, planting them today. Planting some yesterday. I was really excited to uh, plant some new sugar maples at the Fleischmann's Park, uh, one along Warner Ave. Um, so they have some really old sugar maples there, and some of them aren't looking too good. So they're gonna uh, planning for removal of those trees. It's a nice area, but you can tell where the road has been widened over time, so that affects the roots compaction and all that. So we started looking at the future of the park and uh, planted some new ones. Huh. That's so, cool. It's good soil there. Yeah, very good soil. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Um, I don't know. We went to Syracuse last uh, weekend, right? Went to the New York yep. State Arborist Fall Conference and uh, got edumacated a little bit <laughs> on trees and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, I'm at the it's a conference of professionals who work in arbor care or arboriculture and uh, tree work and uh, just trying to keep up to date on new things and uh, yeah, it's a really neat conference, neat opportunity to meet people. Yeah, doing different things. Um, let's see here. So tonight is the third Wednesday, and on the third Wednesday we talked to uh, Gary Mead from Gary Mead Gallery about a different Catskills tree. However, tonight we're talking about drought impacts. <coughs> On trees. How's it going, Gary? Good. You know, over the past, uh, since last month, I've had a lot of people call me about, uh, you know, worried about the trees and the environment and lack of water and all that. And it's, uh, you know, so, you know, when you contacted me three weeks ago, I said, well, why don't we try to educate people about that a little better? And uh, so that's... You, th- you think it's a drought? Well, yeah. we had a drought, but it's not a drought anymore. Uh, we we had a see. I I gauge drought weather <clears throat> by the amount of springs that go dry during the summer, and we haven't had <clears throat> that long of a period. When I was raised on the you know in New Kingston on my our farm, I have a spring on my property that I actually own now that. And all the years that since it's been there, never stopped running. Mm. It slows down, but it never stopped. This summer, a lot of springs, and, and when I was on the farm, all the springs in the valley would dry up. And this one spring, everybody would bring their, <clears throat> you know, tractors and, you know, water tanks and get water from this spring. And... You know, it was just a somebody shoved a, a, a cast iron pump into the mountain where it came out, and you know it ran and never stopped running. And this summer it hiccuped a little, but it, <clears throat> it never stopped because that's where I get my water from. But you know that's how I kind of say, oh yeah, it's getting kind of dry out there. And and then the fact that you know uh, some of the areas especially over high mount on the way to kingston on this side of the hill i don't know if we got a drought 
we we had a little more rainfall than they had down you know in Gardner and at Gordon mm -hmm. and that area they were super dry because we get storms up here and my son lives in Gardner and and uh, he said you know geez dad get any rain from that storm I said yeah we got about a half an inch he said well you know, it, it got cloudy here, and we saw thunder and uh, you know lightning and and the, the, the distance, but it never kind of rained here. So uh, he, you know, I mean, they got really dry, but you know, my spring it went to about half volume, and I said, you know, we're we're drier than normal, but you know, it's uh, than normal years, but this is normal. This happens. This is what happens in nature, and we don't have. You know, every summer and every winter, they're they're never the same. They've been changing for years, and you know, I remember, you know, times growing up on the farm when I'd walk the Platico stream, and there were areas a quarter of a mile long in between the deeper pools where it was just stone. You mm. could walk right up the riverbed and not get your feet wet. The water was still running, but it was underneath the stones. You know, the volume wasn't big enough, but, you know, there was enough water running that kept the fish alive. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, we didn't lose fish, and, you know, it didn't get... But then we, you know, in uh, the end of August and, you know, beginning of September, we got these heavy rains that actually is pretty amazing that, you know, how nature works because you get these heavy rains and it raises the river and when the the fish are, are spawning they come from the bigger uh, you know reservoir and bigger streams like the uh, uh, and they they go up into these tributaries and that's where they lay their eggs because they have more of a survival rate of the young and and these smaller things so but you, we get this heavy rain and and that's when that was the part of the summer that excited me the most and because we get a heavy rain and the water table will go up and you know then we didn't get rain for a couple of weeks and it go back down but these fish will get caught into these ponds and you know little platykill stream we had fish that were 18 20 inches you know long <clears throat> they they're not fishable and it, it really is a um, <clears throat> It's not good to to fish them out because they're spawning, mm -hmm. and they're they're creating uh, uh, the the whole environment of of uh, regeneration. So, because when I was a kid, I went and I fingered some out, and because they don't bite on worms, and you know I went out of the bank and I brought one home, and you know when I you know dressed it out to cook it, it was full of eggs, mm -hmm. and my dad was extremely pissed off at me i mean he i mean he didn't take the belt to me but, but he was he was very very mad and but i didn't understand the whole thing and he goes well you know this is this is the way in nature and and after you know uh, the middle of august you don't you don't go fishing mm -hmm. and these small tributaries you leave the fish alone they're they're regenerating for next year and he explained the whole thing to me, and then I understood, and I, I never did that again. But, and uh, actually, a spawning fish tastes horrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, we cleaned it out and did that, and the meat was kind of pinkish and, and very, 
It didn't even taste good because, you know, good fresh trout in the spring and the meat is white mm -hmm. and it's it's almost, it doesn't taste fishy. This tastes oily and fishy and... All the nutrients and, went out to all the eggs then. Yeah, went into the eggs and, you know, the, the fish is... Uh, but anyway, That's you know, another uh, reason. our trees are, are they're pretty... Uh, they're stellar, and I mean, if you didn't, if you planted something in the last three years, I would say, and you didn't water them, they're probably going to suffer through this. But you know, these trees that you see, and and five years ago we had too much rain; we didn't have enough sun, and you need sun and water, which makes photosynthesis, which is food for vegetation and trees. And when you're lacking one or the other, they don't, like five years ago, remind me of when we had, you know, we had all summer, we had hardly any sun. In the spring, our apple crop was amazing because, you know, I live for apples and, and you know, what I can get in the fall from them. And, and you know, we didn't have any apples that year because the sun and what, trees will do they will they go into survival mode and they anything that's stressing them like it takes a lot of energy to keep their leaves and their fruit on so the first thing they do is they shut the the uh, the energy off that is feeding the fruit and their leaves and they go into a dormancy which is they need to survive mm -hmm. They're not going to die because of, you know, the stress. So, you know, these trees that, you know, people have been calling me for weeks and emailing me, and go, oh, my God, should I cut these trees down? And I said, just hold the phone here. I mean, why would you cut this thing down? Let it go, and next year it'll bud out again. And, and, uh, because they're browning and dropping but, leaves. Yeah, then we get these. But we've had some pretty good rainfall, and, I mean, that one storm we had, the mountains and the trees were so dry. We got four and a half inches, which normally, if we were hydrated, fresh down parking lot would have been flooded. But the river didn't even get up to uh, any kind of scary, normal flood. I mean, it went up. I mean, it brought the water up. And it was, but what had happened is that, you know, the, the mountains and the trees were so dry. I mean, picture, you know, 100 million trees thirsty trees and that's where all the first rain went was the trees immediately soaked it up and we had we didn't have a lot of rain and a short amount of time we had a good amount of rain over you know uh, you know if we in five or six hours if we get four and a half inches that's completely that doesn't do anything for anything and and but you know that one night I was, uh, I kept waking up during the night and it like steadily kind of, not pouring, but it was a steady, nice rain all night long. And uh, it went on for, I think, 15 or 18 hours. And, you know, yeah, some, some, I remember that one. Some places a little more. And uh, I went, you know, I got up at 5 in the morning and I expected by, uh, you know, because normally when we get that much rain, the fire siren goes off and, and then, you know, they put, 
cones up and the crossroads is flooded you have to go around and this and that so i drove down you know uh, along the well i had a dry brook i was looking at what come out of dry brook first and then i went down by the fresh town looked at the river and i said this is awesome i mean our trees are drinking all the water that's saving us from a flood but you know the ground and and the and, but they and that hydrated them I mean, the ones that were brown didn't turn green again. Mm -hmm. They just, uh, they, they drank up the water. And, but we didn't have any brown spots in our area except for the ashes that died. But on the other side of the hill, down toward Kingston and Accord and Gardner, all through there, they, they, had, a lot, uh, they had a lot of more uh, problems with not having enough rain than we did. And from that one storm, we got and a half inches i think they got maybe two and a half down that way but they got enough to to you know keep things going and and uh but <clears throat> nature has a, a a funny way about it and you know if you want to talk about growth rings and doing core samples and you know i know uh, mr kudish was on last week and he's all about all of that and He's probably one of the most educated people about trees and in our forests and anybody I ever met. But you know, <clears throat> this year's growth rings are going to be tiny little growth rings because mm -hmm. you know the, the trees didn't put any energy into growing; they just went into survival. So if uh, you know, in the years you know we're hydrated and things are normal, and you go through the season, you know, a growth ring might be a sixteenth of an inch. I'm just putting the number up but you know a year like this year you go from a 16th to a 64th of an inch mm. in width of our growth ring because it's a survival and that's how uh, you know they can tell you know by taking core samples of trees you know what the weather was you know during the life of that tree yeah i mean you know i was i was reading online and the university of massachusetts wanted to define what a drought is and they were saying that it's not necessarily you know the amount of rainfall it's how frequent it occurs so even though we got some rain we may still see long-term effects of this drought on trees they're going to be weakened so even though we got a lot of rain at one time um the frequency has been poor and right, um so, so you know and if you get all that rain at once it's just not it's not it's still it's better than not getting it no doubt but it's just, it's just not yeah. great yeah, that's so for sure a lot of those trees that have browned and dropped their leaves technically they're in that survivor mode and they're not this is this drought still going on because they can't capture any of that yeah. moisture at all areas that are affected the most are trees you know every tree's different and has different tolerances to drought so you know oak is a little more tolerant and sugar maple not as much for example but just depending on where it is, if it's in an urban area, like next to a road, you'll notice a lot of browning on sugar maple. And if they're grown by rocks. Yeah, rocks. Ledges and stuff like yep. that. We saw some of that in Downsville. Yeah. And uh, I saw a lot of it on a kind of like a knoll area on the side of the road in Woodstock while I was driving yesterday. Mm -hmm. The whole row of sugar maple had bottom branches that were brown and uh, being senesced, falling off. Yeah. So. But most of the brown trees I saw were on, you know, above rock ledges and on very rocky areas because, yeah. you know, their roots, they go out, they don't go down. Well, you when you know. get to Woodstock and West Hurley on 28th, that's all ledge. Yeah. It's that quarry country, you know, back in the day, that's where a lot of bluestone comes from. Yeah. 
and uh, yeah, those areas are bad. Very bad, yeah. It's striking how uh, brown and rusty red a lot of those ledgy oaks have gotten. Yeah. Right, and, and you know, shrubs well, that's some... and uh, perennial plants, small plants, they, they were hit the hardest. Uh, a lot of people are probably happy to see the garlic mustard was dying back because this is no water. Yeah, I You know, the roots of yeah. trees are deeper, you know. I've yeah. seen that in the forest in Sullivan County. Um, wilted in the woods. I was very surprised to find it wilted. Um, yeah. Yeah, I saw a lot of stuff this year that was wilting. Flowering dogwood was terrible, yeah. really bad, uh, but that's, you know, it, it needs a lot of moisture, that tree. Um, hemlocks could, could could be dying back a little bit. I'm seeing some yellowing in their needles. Hemlock needs a lot of water. It likes a lot of water. Yeah. So. <clears throat> but, but, you know, we've, it, it isn't, I mean, we got some, pretty good rain the past couple of weeks and it's uh actually the past month i think <clears throat> we've had enough to to pick things up but you know the trees are done though for the most part they're, well they're, they're getting they're, ready to drop they're going on the other on the other side now so they're yeah. they're kind of going into a dormancy thing you know because it's going to be fall and that's what they do they yeah they're they're, they're winding down but i don't <clears throat> I don't think anybody should have to go out and get their chainsaw and start leveling trees that turn brown because in the spring they're going to get buds and they're going to, you know, be something. We might lose a couple here and there around rock ledges. You just can't tell. Unless they're unhealthy to begin with, you know, and then it might take out a small percentage. But if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest tonight's topic is Drought Impacts on Trees with Gary Mead. It's a 
Hey, what movie? You know what movie that's from there, Zane? Something in the 80s. Yes. Something in the early 80s. I think it's the early. Yeah, it's the, it's like maybe 88, maybe. It's, uh, no idea. It's Rocky Four, man. Oh. <laughs> Fighting the, the Russian communists. Right. I yeah. will break you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how many movies there was like that in the eighties? It was great, man. They had Red Dawn. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we had a lot of <laughs> Iron Eagle. Yeah. Oh in my yeah, day. Red Dawn, yeah. I, I think we that. had the the best music for you know, from the sixties to the eighties and, and and since the beginning of time. You know, stuff before and after that was good, but I think we had the most volume then where Volume? Volume of musicians that come through and, uh, and had hits and and it was like it, it was a it was a wonderful time and you know then you know rap come out my kids listened to rap until i taught them uh, you know i started playing albums uh you know leonard skinnard and clapton and billy beatles and they switched right over yeah i like all music i gotta say well i do too i don't like i can't say i like all of it but yeah. You know, there's some rap with the F word bombs going on. It's just angry. Angry music is not fun for me. That's an emotion. Some people feel angry sometimes. Well, that's that's well. Right you can music. you yeah. don't have to express it in, in such a way that is. But be is polite about derog- it. Derogatory, <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, I know a lot of angry people that you know they are, are angry songs that you know put it in a softer way and and you know you get the point yeah but you don't have to you know curse through it and use all these uh derogatory statements but you know that was a time in our period in our life and and uh you know when i was growing up my parents hated rock and roll and yeah, yeah. a lot of angry music of that i mean I, jim morrison's not exactly the example of happiness no absolutely <laughs> and but Anyway, uh, you know, when my kids were listening to stuff I didn't really enjoy listening to, I never told them once that I didn't like it. Because uh, my parents, the more in our our generation, the more that, you know, people didn't like it, the longer our hair got, <laughs> the bigger our bell bottoms got. <laughs> yeah. Got rebel. It was yeah. just kind of a revolting thing. A little rebellion. If you're just tuning in, uh, this is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Tonight's topic is drought impacts on trees with Gary Mead. Um, So the problem with drought is that it lacks water, and trees need water for carbon dioxide, you know, for photosynthesis. So it's carbon dioxide, water, and sunlight. Trees are autotrophs, right? They make their own food. They don't go shopping for it. Um, They make their own food. And um, trees have stomates that leak moisture into the air from their leaves. Trees' roots take up more water. Water is broken down into hydrogen and oxygen molecules, right? Then the tree fixes that carbon dioxide taken up through the stomata. Then these molecules are used to make glucose, which is like sugar. And carbohydrates are used to grow and also protect the tree. This is really important. This is why we might see some of impact still from this drought is because the trees are uh, more vulnerable to insects disease borers a lot of borers can attack trees when it's really too dry because now the trees defenses are low Um, nutrient uptake via the water and roots already said that trees also create secondary metabolites so these metabolites are like um, oleo resins tannins 
right? Tannins are another way that the tree protects itself from, from invasions and stuff. Alkaloids and, you know, wards off insects and disease. And, of course, the trees themselves, plants, are made up of water. And the lack of water reduces photosynthesis and ultimately their health and vigor. So we're not out of the woods yet with, with the, uh, the lack of water. We might see some effects um, next year, especially on newly planted trees. Right. All right. So, you know, short-term versus long-term effects. The short-term is wilting. That's pretty obvious to a lot of people, right? Which is that loss of, like, turgor pressure, what cells use to keep, stay stiff pliable without water they just kind of uh lose their shape yeah and you know we're 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 on the break of the song you know zane was saying that you know we didn't get a not as many pollinators were out there wasn't you know the flowers weren't there and you know it it takes energy to fly Mm. around and pollinate and and uh they you know there was a lot less uh bees and insects flying around the only upside of that is, you know, ticks can't handle a drought. And yeah. So maybe this was a nature's way of saying, you know, you ticks suck and you, some of you need to go. So, you know, a lot of that larvae. Kill them. What's that? Unfortunately, the drought won't kill them all. Well, it won't kill them all, but I think it'll take a lot of them out because where they, you know, the eggs and the larvae were laid, they dried out. And they didn't have the hydration, they died. <clears throat> and I haven't seen near as many ticks this year as I have in the past. I mean, in the spring, you know, there were quite a few. We had we had a normal spring, and it was it was kind of hydrated and wet. And you know, I was so excited this year when you know the apple trees blossomed, and we had a couple of cool nights. And you know, I remember Ryan mentioning something about you know the it was too cold for the pollinators, but then I a tree by my house had a, uh, I mean, it had apples on it. It still does, which there's very few trees that still have them. But, uh, and I didn't water my tree. I just, uh, it's in a good spot. It loves growing there. And, and uh, you know, I, I might get a, all I'm going to get is about a, you know, a bushel of apples, maybe a bushel and a half this year. But it has been dropping apples in the past, you know, three or four weeks. And, but these are apples, they're winter apple, and they need to get a frost in order to to get sweet and, and you know, make a, a good flavoring juice. And because uh, right now they're not ripe and they, they fall off the tree and they're basically food for the woodchucks. Because I went the other day and I picked up a half a five-gallon bucket of them and oh, I'm going to save these for the, you know, when I press and whatnot and... I broke one open, I investigated it and started eating it. It's dry, it's, it doesn't taste good, and it, it just, it, 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 we needed a, a good frost to get a winter apple to actually come into its own. Meanwhile, I got one tree that produced, a yellow delicious, man. It's, it's absolutely great. Awesome. It's full of fruit, and all the others don't have fruit, but that yellow delicious is absolutely full. Yeah. And the apples are sweet. I don't get it. You know, I, I, it's so you've weird been watering that way. Your trees. Because I, I did water them. I, I mean, I, I drive around and and you know, right now I'm when I see a tree with apple, you know, I'll wherever I go, I I have a notebook in my thing, and if I see a tree with 
bushel apples on and I'll write the location and then I'll go back there and get permission to pick them or you know a lot of people don't because of the there's not a lot of apples people are want to feed the deer so they won't let you pick them and but whenever I harvest apples I never wild apples <clears throat> I never I never take them all I leave at least 20% on the tree and the the 80% the that I take would have just fell on the ground and gone to waste anyway so but I always leave them there for the animals and the same thing with blackberries I don't pick the blowbush blackberries because they feed the partridges and the smaller animals I get something that they can't reach because I got thinking about this a couple of years ago and how would a partridge get a blackberry that's like five feet in the air four feet up and I went to a section of my you know this is probably eight ten years ago I went to a section where I picked blackberries and there must have been 15 partridges in there and they were the the ones that were low you know it was kind of shady there and they didn't get very high and but they're you know I'm, I'm there picking and every couple steps a partridge is flying I said you know what I'm getting the hell out of here because this <laughs> this food belongs to them huh. and then I started it made me think you know how would a, a partridge you know, a, a bird get a, a, you know, four or five feet tall, a black, I mean, they don't do flybys and grab stuff. They would actually, yeah, if they can't land on it. If they the, can't land on it, they can't them. get it. So, you know, that was my whole thing. And I said, oh, I'm not picking any more low bush blackberries because hmm. that's, you know, there for my, for the partridges. And I don't, I don't shoot them. I, I just love seeing them. And, you know, every, they, they scare them. But Jesus out of you. Anyway, and they wait till you're five feet away, and and then they fly. But I had a grandpa, my grandpa Mead. He, uh, well, he hunted them all the while. All the old school guys hunted all that stuff. But he uh, he would hear them before they fly. They make a little noise, and ninety percent of all the partridges he shot, he had an ear for it, and he he would shoot them on the ground before they took flight. I'm not that guy. I'm, I would get, you know, four or five feet away. They'd fly out, and I get all, you know, flustered, and and you know they startle you so much. <laughs> you don't really, you're not on your game. But anyway, we're talking about the drought in, in this yeah, summer. Yeah, I, so, I wanted to add that you know besides the wilting for short-term impacts of uh, drought is leaf scorch and some defoliation. But the long term is it can happen for a period of years. There's going to be some stunted growth, some some. Uh, possible death of some plants but seeing a lot of dieback and that's where like towards the top of the trees you'll see what the name says dieback i've seen a lot on a lot of trees especially in urban areas where there's more asphalt and stuff yeah that, that's a strong term for some people dieback you know they think it's uh you know it's a very abnormal thing to happen to trees but it's just a stress response right it's just the tree. it's a stress response and it's a survival uh, mode and you know, nature will take care of itself, and and uh, <clears throat> it's been going on for centuries. And well, and some trees will die. Okay. Well, <laughs> then they're not going to take care of us all. Then they. Oh, well, I know, but you know, it's <laughs> you know, the, not not. The, we're the, not going to see whole mountain ranges perish. No, no. Uh, you know, unless things get really, really devastating. No, I mean, we we generally yeah. get more than thirty to. 60 inches of rain. I mean, That's why we have trees, right? Every year, 
trees die in the forest. I mean, they get shaded out, and there's many different reasons that, that you know, when they that they lose their health and, and you know, the sunshine, whatever. But, yeah. you know, when we get uh, long stretches where we don't have water like this year, it, it is, it's stressful for the trees. And, you know, I'm just on here tonight saying, you know, don't worry about it. You know, uh, and in my world, when a tree dies, it gets a second life. Well, I would and say if it's near your house, you should worry about it. Actually. You should worry um, about it, yes. And if you planted it and you care about it, uh, the forest, they die, no one knows, or fewer people know, rather. But, yeah, if it's a tree you planted or, you know, even an older tree, you might want to water it, actually. I mean, yeah. you well, don't want to see die back in your nice red oak tree. No. Let this be a public service announcement. Yeah. If you yeah. planted a tree in the last five years. Water it. Water it, yeah. Go out there. Um, and how it. You should water it. And, and gypsy moth is coming um, so. for, for oak, I'm sure. And may, maybe in the next five years we might have a, a defoliation again. So. That tree's going to be less ready for those gypsy moth with this drought. If you know, God forbid we get another drought next year. Now if you didn't water, it's even worse. So, yeah, go water your tree. Yep. Go mulch it maybe even, maybe four so inches if, of mulch. If you're going to water a, a 12 to 15, 20-inch diameter oak. It would help. How much water would you put on Oh, crap, a of water. You'd probably have to run the hose for a half an hour. This guy I used to work with say, give it a good soak, whatever whatever that meant. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, what are you talking, 100 gallons, 50 gallons? Well, um, let's just say a two-inch caliper uh, tree that I newly planted. I'll put five gallons every three to seven days, depending on how dry it is. Right. So, you know. <laughs> but you're talking about an established tree. Well, um, yeah, we're yeah. something that's, you know, 50, 40, 50. I think it depends 30. on the species. I mean, you know, it, if you see any of those short-term symptoms of wilting, it, it might be too late, actually, already by then. Uh, Zane. I yeah. mean, maybe not. But um, if it's a hemlock, if it's a birch that really are susceptible to these things, you, you want to probably water those more. Right. Well, the birch's roots are more shallow. Yeah, most maple, beech, birch, those, right. those trees are shallow-rooted. Yeah. So. so if you don't have time to water it, you need to help it to conserve water, which is mulching, as we say, uh, weeding. That helps to conserve moisture around the root system. Right. For sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot of um, trees that are planted that are have all sorts of issues, and probably some of it is either overwatering or underwatering yeah i know that sucks when you say both sides something people feel even more confused but usually our problem is well, if you overwater, too much rain be, or, or a poorly a poorly drained site is right. usually in the catskills that's our problem well overwatering turns stuff yellow if you see yellowing if you see brown it has not enough water if you see yellowing it's actually a, a, a barometer of too much water yeah, yeah. well Roots can't breathe. Uh, you have other types of symptoms there. Yeah. But uh, stick, you know, get down and stick your finger in the soil. Maybe uh, clear away some of the turf or the mulch and, and feel the soil. Is it wet? Is it moist? Is it dry? Does it just fall through your fingers like sand? Use your senses for sure. Well, if the ground is hard as a rock, it's probably too dry. Shouldn't have planted a tree there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, well, that's what I have, and, and it's clay. Yeah. If you have a little more clay, if it's really hard as a rock when it's dry, and then it's really, really muddy when it's wet, it might be clay soil. Right. But that dieback, just to just so you kind of can visualize it, what causes that? That's from the fine feeder roots. That's where a tree gets most of its water from. 
apparently. And when as those fine feeder roots, I mean, they're mostly in the what six to twelve inches tops, really six inches. Yeah, deep soil. In our especially in the Catskills, and think about how dry it was, right? Right. So something's got to give away. You're just seeing the stuff dying at the top. The stuff is dying at the top because of those fine re- feeder roots are dying. Dying in the They're bottom. dying back. Yeah. As they die back, the tree has to balance that and say, all right, well, we can't support that, so we can't feed these leaves up here. Yeah, the smallest parts of the plant are going to die first. Well, the but roots are basically a, the tree underground. Every little hair on those roots or a leaf or a limb or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the higher up you get in the newer stuff, will suffer more because it's more you know re- susceptible to to any changes that it, 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 it yeah. stresses it out lack of water also doesn't give it, the tree any opportunities to cool itself off right um, trees uh, get too hot and they need to cool themselves off and water is an essential part of that process and without water uh, the tree can't cool itself off it, it'll overheat and uh, go into that survival mode instead yeah. it can't cool well fluttering leaves are cooling system for trees yeah. and uh, you know I had uh, Rob Reynolds taught me that years ago because <clears throat> we were we were in Albany at my son's reception and you know it was still out in the very hot night and you know the the trees were leaves are fluttering. You know what that is? And he's had his master's in arboriculture. And I said, "Yeah, the leaves are fluttering from the, you know, uh, you know, when, even when it's no wind, you get moisture coming out of the earth and it's going up mm. into the clouds and the leaves flutter." He said, "No, it's it's extremely hot tonight and leaves flutter to cool themselves." And mm. They're like all they're like integrated little fans on the tree, and when they're fluttering it it's like standing in front of a fan so um but I thought that was pretty interesting so there was no no breeze there was no breeze it was, it was just, just hot it was just hot, and the moisture huh. from the ground was being sucked up into the atmosphere, and the trees were taking that opportunity to flutter and, and cool themselves down mm. so uh how do you like that, so, Zane? So water your tree and <laughs> fan your tree, I guess, right. as well. Put a fan on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, how many people are going to do that? No. But, you know, it's okay. just you got to pay attention. And, and, and nature, I mean, it runs its course. You know, things live and things die, and that's that's the way of the world. But I wouldn't get, you know, too over-anxious about, you know, taking a hose out, you know, into parts of the forest or you know driving up the mountain with a a a tractor and a you know seven thousand gallons of water and trying to water the trees because whatever's going to happen up there is going to happen but trees around your house of course you want to take care of them and you have the accessibility to do that and you don't need to call somebody in you just need to you know get your hose out and you know assess the situation maybe call the Catskill forest guys and say you know this is what my tree's doing what should i do i mean if you need extra help that way i mean i would definitely i wouldn't hesitate to do that or or google it i mean the way of the world today is you google stuff and and uh you know it's 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 a wealth of information out there and uh but you know 
panic isn't a solution. So and I think our trees are going to be okay. You know, if we have back-to-back -back droughts, I mean, I heard about the tent worms are hitting us again. And, but, you know, we just have to deal with that when, if it comes our way. We, you know, we can't sit around all winter, this winter, worried about, you know. Well, there's one way to find it. They're not coming. Uh, I haven't seen any sign of that yet. Um, it's just there's no egg masses in the trees, so we're not going to have uh, tent caterpillars. Have you seen any egg masses? We're talking about tent caterpillars? Yeah, well, there's gypsy moth. I haven't seen too many egg masses on those either. Mm -hmm. That's more of the uh, spongy-like stuff yeah. on the trunk of the trees. Right. White, you know, brown. But uh, the egg masses are shiny and cylindrical on the small twigs of, say, maple trees, you would see. Mm -hmm. Eastern tent caterpillar you would find cylindrical egg masses on uh say fruit trees like cherry apple stuff like that and they always that. they always spin that cocoon that you see or uh, it's a web well there's fall webworm and yeah. then eastern tent uh if you see it in the crotch of like a fruit tree it's probably eastern tent mm. caterpillar or a cherry tree yeah because i see them in the cherries every year but not a lot of cherries it just you know yeah that's what they feed off and if you see one you want to cut the branch off and Throw it on the ground, stomp it. No, I haven't seen them in a in a large degree. I mean, there's always they're always in in the environment. They're always ambient pests, but I haven't seen anything that would alarm me. Yeah. No, the surge, uh, uh, the last tent worms that went through were, they hit us three years in a row, and yeah, that was you know, uh, peak moose early two thousands. Took a real bad hit on that one. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest tonight's topic is drought impacts on trees with Gary Mead.
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. Um, foliage and drought. Um, some trees are turning a little earlier. Despite, I mean, usually foliage starts to turn this time of year a little later when um, we get start getting cool nights and approaching frost and shorter shorter days. But drought will also uh, do that as well. Some of the sugar maples are just turning brown. Some are turning color. But it's so close to the time now where they turn anyway. Um, yeah. And and the trees have done most of their photosynthesis anyway, so, so you know, we're, we're kind of in that time slot. We're, we still may get a very colorful fall. It just depends on the next few weeks. But, yeah. You know, I wouldn't rule it out yet. And when a tree is compromised, because, you know, during the summer, once in a while you look up in the forest or you see a tree that, you know, maybe late summer they midsummer and you see color on them they're usually a tree that has some kind of a problem or an issue and that's how you can tell is because they start you know uh, the, that part of the tree isn't as, as strong as you know other trees and you know because i drive around i can you know during the summer i can tell trees that are compromised by health by yeah them turning color before the trees start turning color and there's all kinds of uh uh, you know variables out there and and stuff you can look for barometers that you know tell you the health of your your forest and and most people are most uh concerned about the trees around their house and you know that's uh very understandable so and again, I can't tell you, you know, enough times that if you have questions, call me or email me or text me and the Catskill Forest Association. And, you know, if we know, we'll tell you. If we don't know, we'll find out and get back to you. And yeah, usually uh, <laughs> taking photos, take a photo from far away, take a photo from close up, to twig, branch, yeah. leaf. All those help uh, identify yeah. what's wrong. And it, it helps. And, you know, it's a complicated, you know, nature's not simple by any means. It's a very complex, uh, 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 I'll call it an organization out there because it's not just one thing. It's everything all in as, as one, you know, big heartbeat, basically. And, you know, without <clears throat> the help of each other, they none of them would survive. And, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, something to be concerned about, but I wouldn't, you know, it, unless it, I mean, uh, things go really bad next summer. It, well, we'll see what the winter brings. We may have a lot of snow. Uh, I mean, right now the whole word on the street is you know what do you think this winter is going to be like yeah, it'll be hard or easy and no one knows 30 some years <laughs> 30 some years ago it's out a basketball game who, who you been talking to <laughs> I've, I've been uh out i was at a basketball game and you know people say you know hard winter easy winter. so bob hubble was sitting in the back of me and i turned around at halftime i said bob what do you think we're gonna have a an easy winter or a hard winter and I don't know how people come up with that phrase anyway, but so he thought for about 10 seconds, he goes, I don't ever remember an easy one. 
<laughs> that was the perfect answer I ever heard from that question. Yeah. So that's what I tell people the last 30 years. Well, I don't ever remember an easy one. I mean, some are a little bit more difficult than others and whatnot. But, you know, winter is, uh, I mean, it kicks our butt along the way a little bit, as well as summer with the hot days. And, you know, but I wouldn't trade this mountain climate for any place else in the world. I absolutely love it here. I love the changes in the seasons. And I, I, you know, just as when you're getting, you know, tired of summer, autumn comes and you have these cool nights and it's like a relief and it's mm -hmm. so awesome. And then, you know, it eases you into the winter and, and, you know, you're, you know, each, everybody's the trees and everybody goes into this metabolism that sets them up for it. And, you know, I don't get cold in the winter, only if I stay, if I don't go outside, I get colder than if I go out in it. And, you know, if I, you can look out the window and you can feel chilled and cold and winds blowing, the snow's coming. And, but if you go out and you enter yourself into it and hang out out there and then come back inside and it's 60 degrees, I keep my house 60 all winter, but if it's 60 degrees, you come in from, you know, like 10 below, Heck, you run around your shorts and you feel warm. <laughs> 60 degrees. <laughs> that's, You're silly, Gary. Well, 60 degrees. <laughs> that's why I keep my house all winter. Jesus I try to keep at that temperature all summer, too. Yeah. But, but, you know, open All the, summer? All, you know, if I open my windows at night and close them, you know, about 5 o'clock in the morning, Jesus. it traps that coolness in there. And, you know, you can walk in, it's 85, 90 yeah. outside, and it's... You know, I might get up to 70 in my house. But yeah, I'm about 10 degrees above that. I like it 70, I'd say. I mean, 68 well, would be Well, when I had my kids and the wife damn. living in the house, it was different. I mean, yeah. they, for, but, you know, I, I'm outside and I'm, I'm working. I'm at the, my shop. Most of my life is in my shop and outside, and I would say 20% of my life is I come home to eat and sleep. And yeah. Basically... You know, I like coming home after working outside and it being warm. Seventy. <laughs> yeah, not sixty. <laughs> I was at a member's property and I walked in from outside, pruning their trees. Walked in her house. I go, not much warmer in here. She's like, I keep it fifty-eight. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who said that? Who's I can't, can't say, but okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're out of time. And up next is uh, Happy Quick. Have a good night, everyone. Good All right, everyone. peace, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh, the neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. Then the old man came home. From the forest His tears fell on the sidewalk As he stumbled in the street A dozen faces stopped to stare But no one stopped to speak For his castle was a hallway And the bottle was his friend And the old man stumbled in From the forest up a dark and dingy staircase the old man made his way His ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay 